Hello, and welcome to the Life Center Podcast. We're a church in Tacoma, Washington that exists to inspire our community to love and follow Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at all of our campuses, you can download the Life Center app, interact with us on social media, or visit lifecenter.com. Let's jump into this week's message. Thanks for listening. Well, first of all, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Can we just give the Lord a hand wherever you're at right now? Give the Lord some praise. It is Father's Day weekend, so we want to first honor our good, good Father, God himself. And Lord, we just thank you today. Your word is already said, whenever we come into your house of praise, wherever that is, in the moment, your your word even says that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we give you our worship right now. We give you our praise. We give you our thanks. And all things we give thanks. So Lord, we want to thank you for that. With that being said, we want to honor every single father who is, uh, who is watching, uh, uh, every father who, who's here right now, every father who may have gone on already to glory. Uh, I want to acknowledge my father, Pop Bowles, he's already in heaven. I want to acknowledge my father down in Louisiana, Cicero. I want to acknowledge my uncle Charlie, who's in heaven. I want to acknowledge so many men who's poured into my life. I'm not just talking about biological fathers. I want every single person who's watching this right now, honor every single man who's poured something into you. I am so fortunate. I'm so grateful. I've had uh, individuals in my life who've just made a decision to take their experiences, tuition that they paid, and invest it in me. I am so grateful for that. And so what I want to do today is do the same, not necessarily for all this amazing wisdom that I may possess, just kidding, (laughs) but I do want to grab the wisdom that comes directly from the word of God. The reason this is important is because, you know, my, my intention is that everybody who hears this message is blessed by it. That's my intention. But I don't apologize that I'm directing this right to the men that I am speaking to men today. And I'm speaking to kingdom men. One of the things I, I was very fortunate as well from uh, Ken Hutchison, who invested in my life, Scotty Kessler, who's discipled me, big dog Gil Bird, who poured into me. But even pastor, great pastor Tony Evans, he would say it this way, we were born male, but trained in the manhood. That you got to be trained into manhood. And so sometimes what we have to do is we got to spend some time looking at those, those kingdom men, and see how they led. Because we're living in a time, I'm, I mean, we're not naive, come on, y'all. From the pandemic to the social uh, injustices that have taken place to the chaos that's come from it. And, and I'm not talking about whether you're on this side or that side. I'm talking about from all sides. We need some kingdom man leadership. We need some kingdom men who understand that my first identity is who he says I am, and then everything falls after that. And so it's one thing to say, oh, I think it should be this, or I think it should. It's better to just go straight to the book and see what it means to lead in this new reality. So let's look at that. So I'm going to begin in Joshua chapter 24, because I'm going to be talking about Joshua today. Now, there's a reason Joshua is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. 
And because uh, Joshua's seen it all. It's a dangerous thing sometimes to take your feedback, not from people who've experienced anything, but from people who've just kind of heard about stuff. See, there's a principle that, and, and, and I believe in this because, you know, I was very fortunate. My father, Pop Bowles, uh, great man, died in 1990. Uh, he died at 91. It was 2013 when he passed away. He walked with Dr. King, water hose, dogs released, everything that comes along with it. My mother, God bless her, she is so sweet. And, uh, but when my mom was young, you know, her house got burned down to the ground and there was a burning cross in the yard. But what's so powerful about both of them is the first thing they would remind me and keep saying to me over and over and over again, my father would remind me, he said, son, remember where your identity is. You are a kingdom man first. When you were born again, all things became new. That's where you got to take your information. You are a kingdom man. Oh, it's great that you're a black man, but you're not a black man who happens to be a Christian. You are a kingdom man who's black, and you're proud of it. Just like every kingdom man that's around you, they are kingdom men who happen to be whatever nationality or ethnicity God decided them to be. But what we confuse sometimes, and it's, it's one thing to hear it from somebody who's been on the front lines. Not somebody who's just got really popular, but with social media posts. I'm talking about somebody who's walked through it sometimes. Where they can look at you and you know what they're saying has substance behind it. Because they know that real change isn't just going to come from just being super upset. That it's going to require all those components. Being passionate and excited and hurt and angry may create a desire to change. But it takes some discipline to finish the job. It takes some unified effort. And don't confuse unity with uniformity. That ain't, that ain't unity. Uniformity, we all think alike. That ain't making no progress. But I used to ask my father the question. I said, but Pop, when you see something, he says, son, the reason you can lead as a kingdom man is because the word works. And more importantly, son, I said, what's that, Pop? I would rather put my identity. I'm on this earth for about 15 minutes. But I'm up there forever. And whether or not you believe it, you're going to stand right before God and have a really good conversation. And in that moment, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And when that happens, you want to make sure, son, that you know that you know who you are. So let's look and see what, what does Joshua have to say. Now, when I was first looking at this, I was like, okay, we're going to grab Joshua. And we probably should start at the beginning. But no, not really. It's sometimes good to begin at the end. If you had an opportunity to sit down and talk with some of the great men at the end of their lives, and then ask them if you had a chance to do it again, if you could look back and learn from that lesson, what would you extract from it? What would you do differently? More importantly, what is the thing I must know? What must I have? So let's look at Joshua chapter 24. I'm going to begin at verse number four. This is Joshua, and you must understand, it's at the end of his life. 
So Joshua's already been taking care of business. Great things have happened in Joshua's life. He's, he's seen amazing things. But this is what he's saying at the end of his life, talking to the Israelites. Verse 14. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. Before I go any further, when Joshua says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly, when you, you, when you see something that says fear the Lord, that means take God seriously. He goes, and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols. So often, especially this new day, we think when we talk about idols, we're talking about these gold things or stuff we build or start worshiping. It talks about anything. You put your purpose, value, significant identity in that has nothing to do with God. It is God first. Now, it was interesting the other day, I have to check myself because this ain't, you know, these kind of messages aren't simple because as I'm walking through it, I realize that God's checking me significantly because I started going, yeah, Lord, and I so, so, so serve you wholeheartedly because I'm all about the scriptures. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all things to be added unto you. And then I realized there was one word in that, that scripture I sometimes ignore. I seek ye first the kingdom of God, but not all his righteousness. Just the parts that align with me. Just the parts that I like, I ignore all the rest. And then I still expect to get all the things being added. And so when I see Joshua says, that makes it very clear, he says, look, serve the Lord alone. <laughs> this, is, this is a kingdom man speaking. Look at verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, if you want to do it a different way, if you don't want to do it his way and you got a better way, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites or the God of whatever's common right now in whose land you live right now? But as for me and my family, another way he says it, but as for me and my house, <laughs> we will serve the Lord. Amen. Kingdom men, what's so challenging right now is you're just running in people who are not stuck in this place I like to call just indecisive. They don't want to make a choice. I want all options to be on the board. And that's not the God we serve. The Bible is consistent. God makes it very clear. I am a jealous God. I'm not sharing this with anybody. You want me to share my lordship over your life. And this isn't just God speaking. Jesus made it very clear that he's not sharing that position. And he says, I'm the one who can ensure you will function in the next five. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But you're not going to trust me and you're going to just trust the masses and whatever's most popular or whatever said as you're getting tossed to and fro. You're double-minded in all your ways and any man who's double-minded should expect nothing from God. That's the word. But so I look at Joshua here and I'm like, this is, Joshua's a bad man. That's a kingdom man right there. That's a man who is telling the rest of us men Choices has not been removed from us. But choice 
is a huge influence on the rest of our lives. And so I was like, okay, if I see that, can we go back to where it all began? Not necessarily where Joshua's story began, but where Joshua became a lead, where he had to start leading, when a new reality kicked in. So let's go back all the way to Joshua chapter 1. And I'm going to begin at verse 1 and read verses 1 and 2 first. And it says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, verse number 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. It is time, Joshua, for you to lead the people into a land, to a place we haven't been before. There is a new reality. We aren't going back to the way it was. There has literally been a change there's a quote by a gentleman named Eric Hoffer that I, it just sticks with me all the time. He says, in times of change, learners inherit the earth. While the learned, the know-it-alls who are convinced of what's going on, are beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. It's, it's bad enough. <laughs> it kind of reminds me when I first got married. I was unconsciously incompetent. What that means is I didn't know that I didn't know. And what only made it worse is I argued from that place. And there are people right now who don't know and don't know they don't know, and they're arguing from that place. And the Bible's very clear about not arguing with fools. So I've been working hard not to argue with fools, but then it hit me. I got to make sure I ain't one of them fools. Because you know how it is, y'all. When we look at the word, we never pick certain characters. Like if I'm going to, you know, if we're, we're going to talk about the prodigal son, either I'm the prodigal son or I'm the father. I'm never the brother. We're going to talk about the good Samaritan. I'm never, you know, I'm either the good Samaritan or the one being helped. I ain't never the Levite or the priest. When I talk about David and Goliath, either, you know, I got to work, I'm going to take out my Goliath or, or, you know, or with David. No, many times we're just his brother. Dressed up to fight, been equipped by God with everything, but then have a problem with people willing to fight. Come on, y'all. I mean, the, the Bible's pretty consistent. And so look what right here, what he says right here. In verse number two, he says, Moses, my servant says, therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people to Israel across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Joshua is a bad man. He knows how to fight. All you got to do is look back the scripture. Look, look, before Joshua, go back to Deuteronomy. Look at Joshua. We ain't talking about a guy who's timid or scary or anything. He's seen miracles. He's seen God do amazing things. He's seen the, uh, the Red Sea open up. He's seen literally manna come from heaven. He's been battling and literally saw the sun stay in place. He's seen things that are just unbelievable. And I'm amazed by this, by the lack of arrogance that he has. It is amazing. And I'm, I'm saying this as a kingdom man because we're having a lead in a new reality. I want this to be practical now. There's a reason God says, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. And this whole series about amazing grace is big. Many times, this grace that allows us to win, we don't experience it. Why? Because we're proud. 
with very little practical evidence to justify it. I mean, we literally walk around as if we know something, like questioning God. And this is why I love what Joshua does. Joshua got to say that at the end of his life. Choose this today who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If anybody had a right to be arrogant, somebody who's seen walls drop, done all kinds of miracles, but instead of that, he humbles himself. He says, <laughs> I've seen God and what he's doing. I ain't trusting anybody else. Look, what he's going down what he says right here. This is God speaking to Joshua. Verse number six, if you go to verse number six, it says, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Verse number seven, be strong and very gracious. There he says it again. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Good idea to be a learner. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. In another translation, it says, then you will have good success, which clearly means there's other forms of success that you may end up with. And the problem with ending up with some forms of success, you're going to end up having success, some success, but it's going to be what I like to call unconsciously competent, which simply means things are working, but you don't know why. And because you don't know why, you start believing it's for this reason, it ain't for that reason. So when it gets sideways, you don't know how to course correct. It's you, you start just reaching all over the place, un unaware that it's right here. But now, because I'm having a little success, I'm starting paying attention to everything else. Now I start, I'll never forget when, my, when I first got in my business, my business started having a little more success. I started having some progress. I knew right from the beginning, only reason my business was working because I was praying and God's favor was all over the place because it made absolutely no sense why certain things were working out. But the problem was I started to forget that it was grace, unmerited favor, undeserved opportunities I could have did nothing about that was part. So now when you ask me, I give answers like, well, it really comes down to really making sure your vision, your strategy line up real well. Now, some of those things may be true, but before I always began with how good God is and gave him his glory and all that stuff. But over time, I started to shift where that success came from. What God is doing to Joshua right at the beginning is making sure he gets in him what he wants in him. Why? Because eventually, Jesus said it best, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for he has already overcome the world. And it's not just the word that's getting in him. We're different today. We actually have the Holy Spirit in us. We have everything we need to be the kingdom men and kingdom women that we're called to be. But look at this right here. I love this part. It goes, then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse number eight, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night 
so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then you will prosper and succeed. And all you do, if you had to measure, I don't want today's message to be just what you hear me say. I want, I want to believe, allow insight to touch you from the inside out, okay? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and answer these questions honestly for yourself. You don't got to raise your hand or do nothing like that. But hear me this. How much of your time over the last few months have you spent meditating on the Word of God? in comparison to all the other input you've been receiving. What is feeding you right now the most? I'm not talking about living in law. And anybody who's looking at me going, well, I shouldn't pay attention to news, I ain't talking to you then. Because if we're going to be ridiculous about it, you know what I mean. Are you giving God, Almighty, who's commanded you to meditate on the word day and night, are you doing that? Or are you meditating day and night on something else? And then you're surprised why your anxiousness and your worry and your concern and your anxiety is all over the place. You think there's no connection between the two? Now look what it says right here. I love this next part. Verse number nine. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. I'm going to stop right there. Why? Because I want you to understand being strong. Be strong and courageous. So when we hear the strong, the opposite of strong, we think, okay, don't be weak. That's too simple. The opposite of strong isn't just weak. The opposite of strong is passive. Don't be passive. Kingdom men, don't be passive. Either, but why? I'd rather you be weak. Why? Because in our weakness, he is made strong. At least I acknowledge it. But passive, I just sit back. I watch it from a distance. I have all kinds of opinions. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just talking to people who look just like me. I'm talking about people who, with people who think just like me. Now, let me take it way deeper, kingdom men. And I'm taking it deeper for this because of, the, because of the pandemic and all the social challenges that we're having right now. Guess what we've been fortunate enough to be do a little bit of? Ignore the issues we already had in our house. Not touching that stuff that needs to be dealt with. I'm hearing it from all over the place. I am on more phone calls, more Zoom calls, constantly. Eric, facilitate this conversation. Help, help us talk about this. Help, oh, yeah, this is the way we got We got to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. And we make that practical so we can use it in organizations and groups coming together. Oh, that sounds good. Now I'm sitting there and I thought, how many people are doing this in their own house right now? So few. This is what Joshua can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is very clear how we serve the Lord. There's principles all the way through that that allows us to be better, stronger, more effective kingdom men. So not only can I not be passive, but when I say we also have to be courageous, I used to think the opposite of courage was just fear. No, the opposite of courage many times is conformity. We just conform. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 already said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm constantly asking believers, but what are you thinking? I'm not going to tell you what you think. I want you to evaluate. How are you thinking? What's going on between your ears? Is that your thought or have you borrowed it from somebody else? Because if you borrowed it from somebody else, the Bible says, Jesus makes it very clear. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, For though we walk after the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in the pulling down the strongholds. He also goes on to say, casting down imaginations, literally casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. Nothing I'm talking about right now is about perfection, but it is about progression. The Bible says, do not despise small beginnings, line upon line, precept upon precept. We train ourselves in being, becoming kingdom men. We don't try. Somebody else said the other day, man, I'm, just, I'm trying. I was like, dude, oh, we don't need nobody trying. We need to train ourselves into this. Man, I don't try to listen. I'm training myself to listen. All sides need to. I'm, my grandma was so wise. And she was like, baby, be careful with people who believe there's only one side or another. I said, what do you mean, Grandma? She said, because you can have a bunch of people who all agree on the direction, but just don't agree on the method. And they can get so upset about the method that they forgot all about the direction. And this is, all, understand, like, I'm, I'm, look, I take words from people who felt it who's gone through it. For some reason, there's just a different credibility. That's why listening to Joshua is a little different than just listening to somebody who read about Joshua. So please understand, I am, I'm not asking you to take what I say, but please crack open the book because he's saying it. He's listening to it. I may intrigue you, but he'll give you the truth. And so one of the things that are so significant about this, right when he says he goes, do not be... The, afraid or discouraged for the Lord is of your God is with you wherever you go that one word with you wherever you go that is grace that is grace he's with you wherever wherever I mean that is unmerited what what does he see in me that his grace won't let me go but see here's where it becomes so powerful when you realize and never forget the book, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we never forget that it's by grace, through faith, that we're saved in the first place. Lest any man should boast, you are not going to put God in debt to you. And so spending any time, the only way I can boast is that I have amnesia that I literally have forgotten that I'm saved. My eternal destiny getting to live a billion years is because of Jesus. You think my handful of good deeds have earned that? The arrogance that I must have with it and then have the audacity to look at somebody else who may not be as accomplished, but I look at them as if they're unworthy and I'm worthy. Sometimes I wonder what kind of sense of humor must God have just to observe that. But then it also cracks me up. God ain't the only one who's like, oh, my children. There is someone laughing. And his name's the devil. He is cracking up. Because his goal is just for confusion. He's the author of confusion. 
It's hard to see an effective, we say that even in my playing days, we knew it. It's hard to, I've never seen a highly effective, confused ball player. Never seen it. I don't care how talented they are. I don't care how gifted they are. At the minute they become incredibly confused, all of their effectiveness is diminished. That's why we have to fight for everything in us for clarity. This is why our focus has to be on him. This is why the word says, he who keeps his mind stayed on thee shall be in perfect peace. This is why when the word tells us to not worry about anything but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our request be made known to God, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will come upon our hearts. Right now, we are the walking example of what the possibility is. Kingdom men and kingdom women walking side by side, completely seeing and trusting in what God has to say. We are the embodiment. Who else is going to do it? What other identity do we have? There's nothing more frustrating for me than being told what I'm doing wrong. I got you. And then told what I'm doing wrong again. I got you. And then when I say, can you tell me what right looks like? Not really, but I'm really upset. Now, I'm not overly and simply trying to simplify this. I'm telling you, deciding and defining what better looks like is work. Tyler said it last week, the implementation of reconciliation is tough. And kingdom men, here's my challenge. Why are we shocked? Proverbs 27 and 17 said the best. As iron sharpens iron, a brother sharpens the countenance of another. That means when two kingdom men get together, different methods, different thoughts, if sparks fly, that's how iron gets sharpened. Quit being scared of a conversation. Quit running to the side. Not only with another brother, but quit running from conversations in your family. We're kingdom men. This is what we do. Why our identity is in him. We're here for 15 minutes. We're there forever. And when he tells us, your life is not your own, start pouring it out. Don't conform. Don't sit back. There's no reason to be Quiet. Man, my actions and decisions are only as wise as the information they're based on, man. So I got to get better information. Recently, my wife was happy about something. And, and it was like a long period of time. I mean, she was just joyful. It was awesome. <laughs> She's always happy, but I'm just saying this was extra. Well, I was a little nervous. Because I had no clue why. And because I had no clue why, I didn't want to disrupt the flow that was happening. (laughs) But that made me unconsciously confident. Things are working, but I ain't sure why. So at some point, I'm going to have to lean in, ask a question like, baby girl, (laughs) yes, I just want to (laughs) know. Why are you so happy? <laughs> what am I doing? You know, then you find out later, it ain't about you. But, <laughs> but I'm saying this, and hear me, kingdom men, I'm speaking to my heart, my heart's speaking to yours. This is not in no way a rebuke. This is no way of that. But kingdom men know in the core of us, every kingdom man I'm speaking to, the greatness in us desires to be challenged. There's something on the inside of us that tells us there's more in us than what we've done so far. 
There's more in us than what we have done so far. So let's go ahead and take it to the next level. Last thing I have, I'm going to turn it back over to Tyler. Down in verse number, please, verse number 10. Let me pull this out right here. Verse number 10, I want you to see this now. It says, Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, verse 11, I believe if, if, I'm in the, if we're all in the same place, am I? It says, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take uh, possession of the land the Lord your God has given you. Verse number 12. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And he told them, verse 13, remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land, your wives, children, and livestock, where it may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. Here it is, kingdom man. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them, verse 15, until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest. And until they too possess the land, the Lord your God has given them, only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in a land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, has assigned you. What that simply means is this, no more us sitting in the stands assessing those on the field, telling them how they should be playing. Especially when the Lord has already given you rest. Your family can rest, but not you, kingdom man. You still got work to do. You got work to do as long as you look around and you see other kingdom men and women, other ones who are not even in the kingdom, not there yet. You don't get to sit back and relax. You don't get to stop from the sideline and start, oh, I, there's nothing worse. Mm. There's nothing worse. I'm, and I get it. We wouldn't have professional sports without fans. But I cannot stand Monday morning quarterbacks. I cannot stand. It just, there's just something about it to have an opinion from a distance versus being right there. It is critical that we got to be in it. And this is what I ask you, men. When you look around, do you have a brother anywhere around you who has not gotten their rest? Until they get their rest, we are commanded. Look at what Joshua saying. We got to go help them get it. Please finish this story because you're going to see in a couple chapters ahead when they cross the Jordan River, when they're moving into the promise, which warriors are out front? The ones who have already possessed what God has for them. Kingdom men, we're blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed to sit on the side telling other people why they don't have theirs. It is our job to come alongside. And when we do this, it changes everything. Last point I'm going to share with you all. Pastor Tony Evans, love Pastor Evans, and he said this. He made it very clear. He says, when you got a broken world, it's a result of a broken country. And when you got a broken country, clearly you got some broken states. And when you got some broken states, you got some broken communities, and in those broken communities, you typically got broken churches. And in those broken churches, you're going to have some broken families, and usually at the root of every broken family is a broken man, and a broken man who's there or not there. I've said it many times, this is not a road. It's for those of us who are kingdom men, who've experienced the, re the, the, the mending possibility, right? Th those, of, those of us who know what it's like to be 
put back together, who've jacked up, who've been through all kinds of tests, but now we have a testimony, all of us who got our issues, but we've seen what God can do with broken pieces and molding us together. It is our job to go out with passion and compassion and humility and grab all the other broken pieces around us and help bring them together because when we do that, we bring broken men and make them whole. We get families back. And then we get families back, we get churches back. And when we get churches back, we get communities back. We get communities back, we get states back. And when we get states back, we get a country back. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Lord God, I know this is just a short spoken word. I pray the anointing and the heart that was behind it was what you desire. But I specifically thank you for every kingdom man who's listening right now, every father who's loving his family, every uncle, stepfather, friend, uh, cousin, any male figure who's pouring into another. Lord, I want to thank you for them. But I ask you a special anointing over them. Lord, give them a heart to return not only to the children, but to the church, to the hurting, to the lost. Lord God, remove anger, which is a secondary emotion. That gets in the way of the real emotion, which is fear that we're not good enough. Fear of rejection. Fear of, remove all that. You did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Lord, reminds each one of us, rejection ain't something we got to worry about. We're going to lean in. Why? Because, Lord Jesus, we're leaning in with your anointing. Lastly, thank you for our pastor here. Thank you for the work and the heart you have given to Tyler. Lord God, we are, as life center, going to live out. What your word says, we're going to bring the kingdom of heaven right here on earth, and we're going to live that out as kingdom men and women. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.